Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 11. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Listen, two things we can learn from that. Number one, saints, don't be messing around with demons. I want you to say amen. And number two, you can't be preaching the Jesus that your mama or your daddy preaches. Don't you know nobody going to heaven because their mama was a Christian or their daddy was a preacher? I've talked to people. Hey, you a Christian? Oh, my granddaddy was a preacher. Boy, he was a fiery preacher. Are you a Christian? Yeah, my my mama, she's an evangelist. Boy, that woman can preach. That woman can evangelize. Are you a Christian? Do you know Jesus? Well, you know, I ain't got no problem with Jesus. (laughs) Ay, ay, ay. You're not getting it. Do you know Jesus? Because you're not going to heaven because your mama was an evangelist or your daddy was a preacher or your granddaddy was a preacher. Nobody gets into heaven on somebody else's coattails. Everybody gets into heaven the same way. Each individual must know Jesus as their personal savior alone, them and God. And you have to have a, listen, you have to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. In order for you to get to heaven, it was Jesus himself who said, I am the way, the truth. Are you listening? I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by, somebody help me, me. That's a bold statement. Either it's true or Jesus was a lunatic. You got to do something with that. Everybody comes to heaven the same way by knowing Jesus. Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? And you got to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You can't live off the faith of your wife, your husband, your father, your grandfather. Now listen, notice the Bible says every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and a house divided will fall. Did you get that? Listen, this was for the married couples. A house divided will fall. A house divided will fall. In your home, you've got to be sure that there's no division. You can't let anybody or anything come between you and your marriage. Not even your children. Because kids are evil. I said that twice. I must mean it. And they get that, you know, they're, they're just kind of, kids will come in. Now tell me you don't know this is right. They'll come ask daddy something. Daddy will tell them something, then they go ask mommy something. Well, dad, can we have this? No. Go to mom. Mom, can we have this? Yeah, sweetie, go ahead. Y'all know how your mothers are. Yeah, baby, go ahead, take everything you want. 
Y'all know how your mothers are, right? And then and then the kids go, <laughs> and the kids go to go, and then the kids go get what they want. And then the husband's like, I told them no. Well, I told them yes. And then you got division there. Can I tell you something? You are one with your spouse. This is in God's economy, okay? Not this world's economy, in God's economy. You are one with your spouse, not your children. Your children will grow up and go become one with someone else. Therefore, as one, you cannot let anybody destroy and come between you and your mate. Because a house divided against itself can't stand. And the reason why homes are falling and marriages in the church are, are, are coming to an end at an alarming rate in the church. What kind of witness do we have to the world of this all-powerful God? He's omniscient. He can do anything, but keep your marriage together. Y'all got quiet. It's true. Our God can do anything but keep your marriage together. What kind of witness are we sending to the world about our God? You can't let anybody, anything, come. You are one with your spouse. Don't let your in-laws come between your marriage. Say amen, couples. Couples. Don't let your in-laws, because soon they become outlaws. Is it right? Soon they become outlaws. You got to build your life and build your marriage on the rock of Christ. And it should be centered around Christ and a passion for the things of Christ and standing on the word of Christ. You know, I was telling people last service, I'll tell you, I thank God that uh, my wife, um, you know, I thank God for a wise woman. I thank God for a godly woman. I thank God for a woman that, you know, she understood this about the unity of marriage. You know, my wife was previously married and her first husband was killed in a car accident oh, 30 plus years ago. And we got married uh, 26 years ago. When we got married, she had three children and then we had two more. And um, so I think, you know, she had a jump on marriage than I did. She understood a lot of things that I didn't. And she, because she's such a praying woman, she understood that, you know, Satan is seeking to destroy marriage. She understood this in a very profound way. And when we would have loud fellowship, <laughs> for some of y'all, that, that's arguing, y'all. <laughs> it might even go to fighting. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> She'd be tightening me up. I'm like, oh, it's like that, huh? Uh -uh. <laughs> and, uh, but she was always good. We had loud fellowship right in the middle of it. She goes, you know what? We need to stop and pray. We need to pray. We need to pray right now. And I'm like, no, nah, I don't want to pray. I want to get this handled. She goes, no, 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 no. I'm not going to even talk about it. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. She always put her hands out like this. Like, give me your hands. We're going to pray. We're going to pray right now. We need to pray. We need to pray. I'm like, I don't want to pray. And of course, after a while, I mean, how can you say no to prayer? So she got me again. And I'm like, and I, she's praying. And I'm like, I can't wait for this prayer to get over so we can get back to this argument. And then I start feeling bad because I'm like, I'm the pastor. I'm the one that should be instigating this stuff. She's like, 
we need to pray, we need to pray. But she knew that when there was, that when there was division and when there was tension, she knew that confusion was not of the Lord. She knew this a long time ago. It took me a while to get it. And to tell you the truth right now, tell you the truth, and I mean, I'll be honest, we don't really have many arguments, I mean, or loud fellowship. We don't, we don't. I mean, we don't. Because I think, you know, both of us are just too busy trying to please the Lord. Couples, did you hear me? Right? You know, you could get so busy trying to please the Lord that you forget to get in an argument. Or you can get so busy trying to please the Lord that you forget to sin. You're like, wait a minute, I'm just pleasing the Lord. I'm not into sinning and getting involved in this and that and the other. And I want my marriage to be strong, and I want my marriage to be this example that the Bible talks about, an illustration of Christ and the church. And a house divided itself against itself, it cannot stand. Listen, it cannot stand. And if you continue down the path that you are going, your house is going to fall. Somebody has got to say, you know what? Enough is enough. We need to start praying and stop arguing. And it's not good. It's not good. It's not good for the world to see. People who love God, serve God, worship God, divorcing. And I'm sorry, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. God hates divorce. He loves the people. God doesn't hate divorced people. God loves people. He hates divorce. And he hates it because it hurts. And it's damaging to you. Oh, the kids are so resilient. They'll get over it. The kids, oh, they'll, they'll deal with it. No, they won't. They won't. They'll survive. Because everybody innately, there's this mechanism to survive. No matter what, survive. They will survive. But will they get over it? Never. How can you get over something that was ripped from you? It'd be like my right arm is gone and I'm right-handed. And, oh, I'll get over it. I'll always miss it. They even say that if you lose a a limb, you still feel like it's there. Right? Verse 21, Jesus is saying, I'm not under Satan. Are you looking at verse 21? If you're looking at it, say amen. Amen. Jesus is saying, I'm not under Satan. As a matter of fact, I'm proving that I'm stronger than he is. Jesus says, when a strong man, fully armed, guards his own place, his goods are safe. But when a stronger man comes upon him and overcomes him, he takes from him all of his armor and divides the spoil. Philip's translation says, when a strong man, fully armed, or he is armed to the teeth. In other words, you have every weapon you need and you are ready to fight. Satan is ready to fight armed to the teeth as a strong man. But notice Jesus who is stronger. Can the church say amen? And he comes and he does four things. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. He comes, number one, to him. 
implies that Jesus is ready to do battle on his turf. And then number two, he overcomes him. Jesus flat out defeats the devil, showing Jesus is stronger. And then number three, he takes from him all his armor that he trusted in. He comes to him, he overcomes him, he takes from him all his armor. The Bible says that Jesus not only defeated Satan on, his, on our behalf, but he also disarmed him. Colossians chapter 2 verse 15 says, Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. And then finally, he divides his spoil. In other words, Satan will never get to keep or enjoy the fruit of his temporary victory. Jesus' victory over Satan is a complete victory. So Satan is called the strong man, armed to the teeth. But did you get this? Look at verse 20, will you? But God cast him out with his what? Finger. With the finger of God. Very interesting study, the finger of God. Psalm 8 says, when I consider the sun, the moon, the stars, and the work of thy fingers. Exodus, Moses, through the finger of God, turns the dust of the earth to lice. Exodus chapter 31 tells us the two tables of stone were written with the finger of God. Daniel chapter 5, you can read that. That's a great story. Daniel chapter 5, Belshazzar, the Babylonian king, was having a party, and the finger of God wrote on the wall, Mine, mine, tekel eupharsin, which means you have been found in the balance, and you have been found wanting. And then in John chapter 8, the woman caught in the act of adultery. It was God or Jesus who stooped down and wrote with his finger. The finger of God is a very interesting study. Notice in verse 23, Jesus says, if you're not with me, you're against me. If you're not gathering, you're scattering. Listen, every single person in this room is in one camp or another. You are either in the kingdom of God or you're in the kingdom of Satan. You are either under the power of God or the power of Satan. The kingdom of light or the kingdom of darkness. And listen, you don't have to oppose Jesus to be against him. You only have to not be with him. Did you hear me? You don't have to oppose him to be against him. You only have to not be with him. And if you're not with Jesus, you're against him. And if you're not gathering with him, you're scattering against him. There's no middle ground. Look at verse 24 through 26, and we'll wrap it up. When an unclean spirit, are you looking at verse 24? Say amen. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finding none. And he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it swept and put it in order. And then he goes and he takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and they dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Give me your attention. Maybe Jesus is standing there pointing to the man that had just been delivered from the dumb spirit. We don't know. But Jesus says, when a demon goes out of a man, he's wandering, wandering in dry places. And then he seeks to go back to the place he came out of. And when he gets there, he finds the place clean and swept. And then seven more wicked spirits than himself come to live there. And then later, the latter end of that man is worse than the first. If a spirit goes out of a person and they make that break, and they're clean, 
but they leave a vacancy and they don't replace that habitation with something else. The demons, listen, view that as an empty apartment and they move in. Now, I have nothing against AA, nothing against NA. As a matter of fact, some of you know my testimony. At nine years old, I started doing drugs. And I continued to do drugs all the way through the age of 21. And uh, my father was a drug dealer. So needless to say, I could get drugs for free. Uh, we didn't live in the same location, but when I went to visit him, um, I got drugs for free. So many years later, joined the military, and this was before the days of drug testing. Nowadays, you, you, ain't, you can't get in the military unless you get tested for drugs first. But this was before the days of, I'm not that old, y'all, but it goes back. I'm, I got a minute, put it that way. And uh, so I got in the military. And after about two years in the military, I got caught using drugs on base. And that was bad. And that uh, could have gotten me some jail time. Um, I certainly lost all my rank, which it wasn't that much anyway, so. <laughs> I think I was an E3 and I went down to eat nothing. So it wasn't that much. And, uh, and I was ordered to uh, drug rehab on an outpatient basis to NA, Narcotics Anonymous. And it was, I don't know, a three-month deal. And I went every day. And, um, and I remember, you know, times I would be high on the, go on, getting high on the way there, go to the meeting, sitting in the meeting with all the people, and they're like, okay, Finch, how are you doing on the drugs? I am fine. <laughs> I'm fine, <laughs> you know. And uh, are you not doing drugs anymore? Nope, 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 not me. Nope, nope, nope. I'm great. Graduated from the course. And, uh, and I wasn't delivered, and I wasn't set free, and I didn't get delivered, and I didn't get set free until January 23rd, 1982. You've heard this before. Bear with me. January 23rd, 1982, on San Diego Street in Oceanside, California, at 7.30 p.m. at the Friendly Church of God in Christ, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And it was that night that God set me free. And I'm telling you, when God set me free, he set me free. I had no more desire. I had no more problems with drugs. None. And mind you, I did them all my life. I don't remember junior high. I don't remember high school. I don't even know how I graduated on time. I did, but I don't remember. You know, come think about it. I don't even remember walking down the aisle. Matter of fact, where's my diploma? <laughs> Maybe I didn't. No, I'm just kidding. I don't remember any of these things, 
But God set me free, and, and what happens in, in AA, and having gone through it, I tell you that to tell you this, having gone through AA and NA and, and, and you know, those kind of programs, they teach you that you have to kind of submit to and get in touch with the higher power. And a lot of people walk away from them, and they don't understand that the higher power is Jesus Christ. Somebody clap your hands and say amen, would you? They don't walk away with that. They don't get that. I know they don't get that. They don't get it. And so what happens is that when they may be clean from the drugs and they may be clean from the alcohol, and then but, 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 but that, that cleansing is not replaced with anything else. And so, and actually, they're, they're delivered from one thing, but in bondage to something else. What do you mean, Rodney? Well, they're delivered and, 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 and clean from the drugs, but then they get in bondage to six meetings a week for the rest of their lives. Well, that's not Jesus. Can I tell you something? Are you listening to me? The Bible says to whom the Son sets free is free what? Indeed. And that Christ came to set us completely free. And if Jesus sets you free, you won't need to go to a meeting every, every day. You won't need to go to a meeting every week. I didn't. God set me free completely. And that's what God wants to do. And, and it's one thing to, to clean yourself, but it's another thing. You've got to put something in there. And if you don't, guess what happens? The Bible says seven more wicked demons worse than the first come to live within you. And that's why people who for a time they're clean, but then they get really bad. Why? Because seven more demons worse than the first come and live inside that person. So we don't need, as Christians, listen, we don't need reformation. We need regeneration. Amen? We, don't, we, we need revival. We need renewal inwardly and not reform outwardly. Now, let me tell you this, and then I'm going to let you go. But listen, there's a whole movement out there that believes that Christians can be demon-possessed. And they teach that, you know, if you uh, got problems in your life or you are having struggles in a certain area, you know, then that's a demon and you need to be delivered. And there are ministries called deliverance ministries where Christians, they say, can be demon possessed. And so you got the demon of nicotine. You got the demon of chocolate, which I should add that chocolate satisfaction from Harris Teeter is the greatest of all satanic temptations. <laughs> Although, praise God, I got the victory. <laughs> but if you got a problem with anger, or you got a problem with hatred, or you got a problem with lust, and then they say these are all demons that you have that you have to be delivered from. Listen, the Bible does not call that demon possession. The Bible calls that a work of the flesh. Galatians 5, read that in your own time. That's just your flesh. And what you need to do with your flesh is bring it into submission to the word of God. So God says, stop hating. And you need to say, Lord, your word says that I shouldn't be a hater. Amen. So I'm going to stop. And God, your word says that I shouldn't lust. Lord, help me to focus on your word. See, the, the way to get victory over your flesh is not to say, I won't do it, I won't do it, I won't do it, I dog on it, I won't do it, I won't do it, I won't do it, I won't do it. If you think you're going to get victory over the flesh, let me tell you something, you're deceiving yourself. Because you will do it. 
The flesh is weak. Don't put confidence in your flesh. What you do is you say, Lord, I'm going to get in this word and I'm going to allow the word of God to transform my mind. And with a renewed mind comes different action. So you can't be like the little train that could. I, I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. I know I can. I know I can. Well, that might work for a week. But the reality is, you need your mind renewed. Uh, say a better amen to that. All right? You need your mind renewed. That's the work of the flesh, these things. Christians cannot be demon-possessed. Christ and Satan cannot dwell in the same temple. It's either one or the other. I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. The Bible says the, the body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And listen, you have been blood Bought. If you hear nothing else, I say, listen up. You have been blood bought. You have been purchased with a great price. And it's the blood of Jesus Christ. You've been redeemed by the Spirit. And no demon can take control of you. You've been freed. I'll wait while you clap your hands. You've been set free. So and now it's just a matter of whether you want to be free or not. If you're a Christian, now if you're not a Christian, Satan's holding you captive. He really is. And he's holding you by his chains. And the only way for you to be set free is like every other billions of people throughout the quarters of time have been set free, and that is by giving their lives to Jesus Christ, and Jesus will break the chains. And for those who believe in you're cursed with a curse, well, Okay, we can talk, but let's just go here. Whether you curse with a curse or not, if you give your life to Jesus, the curse is broken. So what are we talking about? Right? Because his blood sets us free. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.